And then came 9.30 that night when I told myself I was doing it. And I sat feeling incredibly anxious because I've organized a party in a spreadsheet. And if no one comes to a party in a spreadsheet, that's pretty sad. Um, and I didn't particularly fancy spending the evening alone, sat on a dance floor that I'd drawn in a spreadsheet. But um, yeah, thankfully, thankfully people did. And there was this sort of slow drip feed of different animals, like an otter walks in and then a moose and, and then a giraffe. And uh, till there was like a whole menagerie of animals that had turned up. Hello, and welcome to Freelance Pod. My name's Sachandrika, and I'll be your host. On this episode, we have a guest who threw a lockdown house party, wait for it, it's completely within all the rules, don't worry, in a spreadsheet. That's right, actually in Google Sheets, to be more accurate, because the collaborative nature of the document is an essential part of how she was able to throw the party. So I came across Marie Falston's story um, on Twitter when someone retweeted her into my timeline. And I absolutely love this idea. It's perfect for the podcast theme, which is how the internet's changed creativity. And um, I read her Medium post about throwing the party and how it all worked. And uh, I knew I just had to speak to her. So on this episode, we've got playful curator Marie Falston talking about her lockdown spreadsheet party. Um, about Animal Crossing, uh, about Zoom anxieties, and just generally about how her lockdown has gone and and how it's worked with uh, using online spaces to be sociable. Uh, Marie's last staff job was at the Victorian Albert Museum where she was the video games curator and it's safe to say she was their first and so far only one. So uh, let's see what Marie has to say. My name is Marie Fulston and I am a playful curator and creative producer. I curate exhibitions, installations and events in normally in shared real world physical public spaces uh, that collaborate with video game designers and playful artists to create different interactive and immersive experiences. Most recently, I was the guest director of Now Play This Festival at Somerset House, which was a festival of experimental games and play. Uh, due to COVID-19, that festival was actually transitioned to be an online festival called Now Play This at Home, where we undertook a variety of different projects and events, such as virtual field trips for spacemen and workshops for people to create uh, folk games using video chat. I was also recently the lead curator of the video games exhibition at the Victorian Albert Museum. And uh, I am also one part of the experimental UK-based video game collective, uh, Wild Rumpus. On May 2nd, 2020, I decided it would be a good idea to organize a party in a shared Google Doc. Or to be more specific, actually, it was a party in a shared Google Sheet, which is the collaborative tool on Google uh, where you can edit spreadsheets with other people. It was something that for me was inspired by, although inspired feels like a strange word, the way in which so many of the tools and platforms and contexts that we normally use for our professional lives were sort of beginning to merge with our social lives online, that I'm used to using tools such as Slack or Zoom for, for collaborating for work projects. And I think 
partly out of just a sense of uh, playful adventure, I decided it would be uh, interesting to try and organize a party instead of in a Zoom call in a spreadsheet. Um, so for the event, I wasn't entirely sure if it was uh, a moment of inspiration or if it was a moment of idiocy. And so I sense checked myself uh, with some friends in a Twitter DM group and just sort of said, hey, look, I organized a party in a shared Google Doc. Would you come along? And people said yes. And so on May 2nd, um, myself and I think around about upwards of about 30 people gathered together as anonymous animals inside a Google Sheet and had ourselves a little house party. So uh, I had the idea, I don't know if it was late at night or first thing in the morning, but it was at an hour when I was obviously too tired to question my motivations or thinking properly. Um, the first thing I did was sense check out with some friends uh, who at least agreed that two or three of them would come. So I knew that I would not likely be in a spreadsheet completely by myself. Um, after doing that, like it was, it was quite a simple, obviously really sort of simple and quick thing to put together. Um, but that didn't stop me still sweating the details. So um, first of all, obviously I set up the spreadsheet and then I just did a quick check to find out the way in which people would communicate or could communicate, which is a whole separate conversation about um, about the way that people communicate in, in shared spreadsheets. But So I did some testing of the spreadsheets and figured out the best way to invite people. I went on to Instagram stories and made a snazzy little invite using the GIFs in there with a little um, glitter ball that was rotating and then just shared that out. And I made sort of the decisions when I was planning, like I didn't really want to open this up to everyone and anybody online because I do not know how you moderate a spreadsheet. Um, and I do believe in being sort of conscientious about sort of the safety and communities that you create or moderate sort of online. And so I decided to keep it just restricted to sort of friends or friends of friends and um, acquaintances. Um, and so I posted it online. And then the day on the day, like I, I had, I sat there for about an hour. Actually, now I'm saying an hour. I'm like, it's probably even more than an hour Googling different front doors on the internet to put onto the homepage because there's not really a rule book for what the social etiquette is for how much setup you should do of a party in a spreadsheet. And I was like, oh, crap, are people going to be expecting me to have laid, like, design like a dinner table? Or do people think that there's going to be, like, a dance floor? Do I need to make, like, the kitchen? Um, and I thought the more the more that I create different spaces, that, that one, on the one hand, would provide sort of, I guess, constraints or things for people to bounce off and respond to um, or just feel that they might get the ball rolling. But I also felt like, okay, if you start with a completely blank spreadsheet, is this is this a pure <laughs> investigation of what a spreadsheet party is if you start um, with this completely blank slate? And so, um, so I sort of split the difference and I did sort of like a front door, which was just sort of a front door plonked into a spreadsheet. I changed the font endlessly and I changed the picture of the front door about 10 different times um, and then just wrote up a few sort of guidelines saying like, hey, don't worry, you can edit sort of whatever you want. Don't share the URL, but please do invite friends. Um, and then I made a coat room and the coat room was a essentially just a spreadsheet with a coat cut and pasted into it with a little message telling other people to dump the coats in the coat room. 
Um, and I made a spreadsheet that was a dance floor, which was just a black sheet with some colored tiles or colored cells in the middle pretending to be a dance floor. Oh, and I think I put um, a little gif of a glitter ball in there as well. Um, and yeah, and then and then came 9.30 that night when I told myself I was doing it. And I sat feeling incredibly anxious because I've organized a party in a spreadsheet. And if no one comes to a party in a spreadsheet, that's pretty sad. Um, and I didn't particularly fancy spending the evening alone, sat on a dance floor that I'd drawn in a spreadsheet. But, um, but yeah, thankfully, thankfully people did. And there was this sort of slow drip feed of different animals, like an otter walks in and then a moose and, and then a giraffe. And uh, till there was like a whole menagerie of animals that had turned up. what was really nice about doing something in a spreadsheet um, is just watching sort of the different sheets get added to that and getting different people discuss them, watching the modes of behavior change. Um, and what starts off as just sort of this messy sort of people typing, people just testing the boundaries to eventually people sort of going a little bit quieter and um, starting up their own sheet and creating different, using different formulas or different functions to find different ways to repurpose that space and recontextualize it. And so I think that for me is sort of really interesting that actually the entire concept of this space is something that, yes, okay, so I've created the, the space and the context for this, but actually this is a completely sort of collaborative experience amongst everybody who's who's present, which is really, really interesting. And then you watch people, um, like one of the things that was created was a paint by numbers, which was created using uh, conditional formatting. So when you placed a number in a box, it would turn like a specific color. And so instead of coloring cells that you could just sort of go through and type numbers in. So it became all this sort of like children's arts and crafts sort of finger painting table. And so you're watching somebody else come in and construct a space within that space and then watching other people come in and sort of create with that. And so you have all these different intersecting levels of like different sort of emergent sort of creation amongst people in a digital space, which is, yeah, felt like a really generally sort of wonderful thing. And I think is much more conversational and much more collaborative and participatory than any of the sort of things that I have curated in sort of in sort of the shared public spaces, physical sort of real world public spaces. I sat in the bedroom to be somewhere quieter away from the other people in the flat I was in. And I'm just, I didn't, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll make myself a cocktail or something, which I don't think I ended up doing in the end. So I just sat silently in this bedroom, sort of clicking around on a spreadsheet, watching people doing things. And it's strange because you kind of, it's hard to sort of separate sort of the projection that you have of what other people are doing in those spaces. Um, and I think a few friends have sort of said to me afterwards, like, oh, yeah, I was sort of flicking between a few other tasks and sort of checking back in and out again. And so, but broadly speaking, I don't really know exactly what everybody else was doing, but I didn't even really think about that too much or think, oh, everybody sat in a, I didn't visualize people in this sort of way that I understood myself at that moment. Like, I think I just sort of imagine like my friends as though they actually are in this spreadsheet and the thing that, and another sort of real world social anxiety that manifested in that space was sort of the fear of missing out of me being stood sort of on one spreadsheet noodling about like typing something or talking to somebody, but thinking, wait, is there something better happening on another sheet somewhere? Am I, I'm on the dance floor by myself. Um, 
and I can't see any of the curses in this on this sheet. So what if all my friends have like gathered like in the back garden and there's something really fun that's happening and like weeks from now that's the thing that they'll all be talking about, that really fun thing that happened in like the back garden sheet and and I'm not there. So you start clicking around the sheets and the different tabs and trying to find people. Um, and you kind of think, and, I, and so I just kind of imagine them sort of congregate in different places, like hanging out that it was a, like, as if it was a party. But then when I've spoken to friends since, it's like, oh, the, some of them had very similar experiences. Um, there was one friend who turned up, I, I think probably about an hour late to the party. And, and she was, she tweeted about her thoughts of just saying, oh, I turned up and there's all of these conversations, like, because all the conversations were just typed in the sheet because anonymous animals can't use the um, the group chat function on, on Google Docs. But, um, and so she turned up and she said, I can see all these conversations. I can see all this stuff that's happened. And I feel like that feeling of being left out and, oh, no, I've missed everything and everyone's doing a certain thing and there's going to be all these conversations and this sort of behaviors that will be in progress that I won't be able to come into. Um, and she clicked around for a bit, feeling a little bit sort of isolated and then eventually just gave herself like the permission to create her own sheet and to sort of mess around doing her own stuff. And then other people came into that and sort of chatted with her and then, um, messed around sort of with the stuff that she was doing. And so it took this sort of warming up into that space and it's like, oh yeah, you, again, you could forget that other people are going to have similar experiences as you will feel those anxieties in, in those spaces, which, I think it's just really interesting the way that um, online spaces like that we that I, you kind of forget that they're neither they're neither sort of these direct representations of the real world. They're neither these sort of exact sort of one to one sort of oh that feeling is exactly like that feeling. Which I find myself still trying to do like trying to think about experiences that I've had in various virtual situations and thinking hmm what's the what's the physical sort of real world sort of um, comparison for this and sometimes realizing that there isn't necessarily one and that I don't need to find that but it's interesting that you have like this feeling like of familiarity but also this feeling of something new and something um strange and and, and I guess sort of over time we'll see more what that is when it's perhaps disconnected from the novelty of some of the situations that we're in and things just become more of the norm and more accepted like a lot of our sort of digital platforms party lasted for about two and a half hours which if that was a regular party maybe i'd be a little bit ashamed but considering that it was a friday night and people were in a spreadsheet that's pretty good going like i got my friends to commit to being in a spreadsheet for two and a half hours and i didn't have to pay them to do it um and you know is it is it when on you see all these different emergent behaviors happen and different sort of ways of interacting change like one of the first things that people did at the beginning of the evening was that it was much more sort of frantic and it was much more people just sort of clicking around and typing, having conversations and cut and pasting things. Um, and on the first face, the first sheet that was created by someone else was a hallway. And in that hallway, people are just trying to find out what anonymous animal they have come to the party as. Because if you click on a sheet and or click on a cell and somebody else hovers over that cell, it will tell you what animal is in there. So people are in these cells sort of typing their name, being like, hi, it's um, it's Nico. Uh, I'm going to stay in this cell if you can hover over and tell me what animal I am. And so over the course of the evening, this sheet just fills up with all of these 
random sort of announcements of people announcing who they are and demanding to know what animal they are. And so it felt like this sort of game that had, or it was a game that was sort of um, just sort of emergent from that space with, of course, that's the first thing that you want to know. Like, I know I'm here and I know I've got a funny animal. And I love the fact that Google doesn't go for the obvious animals. It just goes straight in with the, like, you're the anonymous lemur or you're the anonymous chinchilla, like no cats or dogs. Um, so it's kind of a fun thing to sort of know, like, what your weird sort of online surrogate is for other people. Um, and then there was sort of this progression as different people sort of did different things. And I think the creations became more and more elaborate and people used different formulas and functions. And, and it became it became sort of quieter to towards the end while people sort of created these more extravagant things. Um, yeah, and there was this just sort of really nice sort of calm that sort of happened towards the end when the numbers started dwindling. You could just sort of see like after about an hour and a half or so that the number of animals and people looking at the document just kept slowly sort of um, going down from sort of like plus 20 animals to plus 19 to plus 18 until there was um, just sort of like maybe a handful of animals in there. And, and when you click on it, it tells you how many of those have gone idle. So it kind of, for me, I just sort of picture them like people that had fallen asleep drunk in the coat room or something. And then, and then at the end you have sort of like two or three people and, there was this really beautiful sort of uh, moment where I'd headed to the bottom of a sunrise tab that one of my friends had made, which had this sort of gradient of colors that went from blue to orange. Um, and so as you're scrolling down the page, it's like the colors are watching the sun come up. And right at the bottom of the spreadsheet is just a couple of friends. And I'm pretty sure these friends didn't know each other or don't know each other that well in the real world. Um, and they were just chatting and just saying like, oh, hey, you know, I just came here for a bit of quiet space as well. And it's like, oh, this is so nice that you've just got this peaceful sort of calm moment on a spreadsheet of two people feeling the need to get away from a hubbub. And it's like, oh, that's really strange because you could be sat in the most peaceful room or context at the moment. But even within the spreadsheet that you want to seek out that just quiet space and and that gives you it felt like the sort of the. A, a sort of slight mode of engagement in the in this space that hadn't been occurring previously in the evening because you have this sort of frantic beginning then you have like these moments of sort of intense sort of creativity and collaboration and then eventually you just get like two people just sort of just just having an ambient sort of chat and just the ability to create a space that allows for that serendipity and that happenstance for people just to come together and and also just allowing for calmer quieter conversations amongst people that's like oh unlike a, on a zoom call where there's 40 of us sort of just staring at one person's face who stands up and gives a diatribe um instead here's a space where people can break away and they can hide like several thousands of rows down on a sheet and just sort of talk to each other and that allows for this completely different sort of mode of um communication doing something like this felt both idiotic and inspired but and I I dealt with like a lot of as, as I'm sure most people have sort of a lot of anxieties over the past sort of couple of months, especially um, for me as somebody who normally undertakes events and exhibitions in public real world spaces that a lot of my work has ended or collapsed or projects have been cancelled. And I find it and of course I have no idea when I will be able to sort of return to that in terms of work. And so it's really hard to know how to prioritize what is proactive and what is practical and what is the thing that you should be doing now, because I have no idea what world or what sort of context I'll be able to step into. And so 
the things that you'd normally do that seem the sensible things to do aren't necessarily what you should do. And so I didn't know like whether I was just having a bit of a, a moment doing a project like this. I'm like, this is frivolous and stupid. But then actually there was something incredibly meaningful about the experience and meaningful about just understanding different ways of communicating and just thinking, oh, actually, this is something that we need to explore. And actually, we do need to give ourselves time at the moment just to wander off and try completely different things and just see how that helps us understand different ways of being together differently that perhaps sort of the traditional tools or traditional contexts don't fully yet offer, or at least don't offer in a way that are sort of um, ubiquitous and, and, and easy to access. As somebody who'd been a kid and played uh, a lot of games, that as I'd grown older and become a teenager and then sort of entered into my early 20s, that video games during that period was something that were very heavily sort of marketed and seen in society as, as a space that I shouldn't be. That as a woman, this is not where you should be. And the sorts of video games that I liked, like Animal Crossing or like games from like the sort of classic SNES games, that actually they're not really proper video games. And if you really want to be into games, you've got to be into Call of Duty. And that just didn't appeal to me. But the sort of resurgence of what was happening in the in that period, sort of from around about sort of 2010, was something that reminded me or rekindled my interest in games. And I didn't, I, I think I always kind of knew that I didn't want to become a games designer, but I was interested in trying to allow other, or trying to get other people to have the same epiphany that I'd had. When you're a curator curating online exhibitions and spaces that the boundaries between sort of what is a game and what is the work begin to blur quite heavily. And so I can see sort of my work sort of feels almost like it's beginning to eat itself in a way that um, the exhibition is also a game and is also these sort of digital social spaces. But um, And so I find myself bringing elements of the work that I'm working with and the medium that I work with more heavily into the um, exhibition context, which was also true in real world settings, but obviously exponentially sort of even more so when um, when I'm dealing with that in a digital context. So, so my career was something that didn't start out with a roadmap, but then looking back, I can see how different things and different experiences and different work has led me to different spaces. So I've used Zoom quite a lot during lockdown, and I guess I've been using it previously, but mostly for, say, work conference calls. And, and so during lockdown, a lot of the sort of social catch-ups or chats that I've ha I had with friends were through Zoom. And I think one of the things that I've noticed, and I think a lot of people know, have noticed as well, is just that it's actually an incredibly intense way to communicate with people because it is essentially sort of a form of digital communication that abstracts down the way that you normally communicate with people to really these basic elements of sort of your face and your voice. And that it's just purely sort of staring at each other's faces and talking at each other and listening to each other. And it, it's a problem that didn't really feel like it gave me space for the sort of awkward silences or to just sort of sit there ambiently and be with people. And this sort of social constructs and rituals that I'm used to having are present in Zoom. That instead, it's like everything that we do must be constantly communicating. And it's something that just I found after a while was just quite stressful and quite exhausting. And 
Whereas there's friends that I could normally be together with for sort of entire days that on Zoom, I find myself sort of reaching capacity after about maybe like an hour or so. Um, and I think that probably comes from just the intensity that the platform demands that you're not really engaging or you're not really sat in those sort of liminal spaces that you normally would be socially that um, like even if you're in a restaurant and you're sat facing somebody that there's all these other things that you can sort of do to occupy yourself with obviously eating or reading the menu or nipping off to go to the bathroom and it's just something that for me sort of felt like it was stripping out like a lot of the social constructs and a lot of the sort of spaces that I'm in normally and I think it sounds like a lot of people have talked about that the thing that they are, are the, the thing that they've learned about themselves during lockdown is that it's not about things, it's about people and it's about being together. And that's the thing that they miss. And I feel a bit odd in saying that the people are still there. For me, the people are still there, but what is not there are sort of the occasions and the environments and the sort of conduits that we normally have for those social engagements. And okay, when I say that they're not there in the same way, it's not with the same sort of level of direct sort of physical context. But I think the thing that I'm also missing, whilst I miss my friends and I miss family and I miss um, colleagues, the, the thing that I also miss is just the different conduits and different environments that we exist within. And actually, I find it hard sometimes now sort of reflecting back on those like, is it really the experience of those events that I enjoy or is it having them as a space or as an excuse to hang out with friends or so is it the friends or is it the experience that is the most valuable thing and I think there's sort of an interplay between those two things and I value them actually sort of in quite sort of balanced ways it's actually hard to escape from a zoom and it's hard to sort of sometimes excuse yourself from being with people socially and even in sort of digital spaces, because that idea that sort of, oh, okay, in the real world, oh, I say real world in scare quotes, sort of in sort of physical shared public spaces that there's all of these barriers about sort of traveling to a place and um, the cost of getting there and geographical restrictions and how you've got to get home and go to bed. But when you're online or if you're in a digital context, that actually it's sort of, well, what's your excuse for not being here? Like if you're not busy, then you've got to come along and you've got to sort of hang out because there's no excuse not to. And actually, I think it's a fallacy that sort of says that in a way that we have this limitless capacity for attention and to be engaged with people socially. And that, again, is quite exhausting. And I think sort of when you're engaging with people digitally, that it's hard sometimes when you're in those spaces to say, hey, look, I'm tired. Uh, I think I'm going to go or just excusing yourselves from those spaces without normally having like a polite excuse to. And so um, so I think that's another thing that really ties into that idea of, I guess, sort of the intensity of um, a lot of the tools that we have. And a lot of those tools that we're working with are work tools. So they're really driving towards sort of efficiency and effectiveness and sort of making communication sort of as, as streamlined as possible. And there's not really much space for these sort of abstract qualities. And it's it's something that friends sort of commented about their experiences sort of at the spreadsheet party was that not just in that, but in other digital spaces, acknowledging that the anxiety, the same or similar anxieties that they feel in public, social, real world spaces still exist in digital spaces. But within the spreadsheet context, because you're there as an anonymous animal, 
And because you don't have, um, people don't necessarily know who is who, and you can't see who's active or who's not active. And so unlike a real world party, if you're feeling anxious and you don't know who to talk to and you don't know what to do, um, you can actually in a spreadsheet just hang around in the corner and just sort of sit and watch and just ambiently click from place to place. You can just see sort of how these abstract qualities of different tools that we have in different ways of being together actually potentially offer us sort of what we might think of them as being inferior. Actually, they sometimes offer us these alternative ways of being together and sort of can sometimes replicate the anxieties that we have, but also sometimes help provide new ways to alleviate them. Much like sort of having a party in a spreadsheet that Animal Crossing gives you that context. It gives you a reason for being together. It gives you a reason for talking to your friends, for visiting their islands, that you essentially have this sort of doll's house village island that you can do not quite completely what you want with, but you can do an awful lot with it. Um, and so it becomes this sort of social conduit. And there's all these different interconnected levels of community that you have from sort of the people who will come and visit you on your island, perhaps people that you will, your group of friends who you will talk to about playing or sort of equally then looking at Reddit or looking at social media and sort of engaging with that community. Um, and so there's, there's so much to talk about. And I think for people to sort of really sort of look into for that. And I think if people aren't interested in Animal Crossing, if they're rolling their eyes because it's just inundated dating their Twitter feed and they're really sick of seeing all these cute little animals that we've all regressed to childhood. Um, I think I apologize for that in part, but then also if you completely ignore this and you're, you're ignoring something really fascinating that's happening about um, virtual um, and remote communities uh, sort of at this present time. You're not so much a god, you're the island represent, resident representative. So you, you have this really administrative role, whereas in New Leaf, you were the town mayor. So it's like, ah, it's, it's, I love the fact that it's just this whimsy mixed with admin. Like, and there was a point, of, one of my favorite things that happened in the game was that because of one of the ways that people were cheating, um, so people used time travel in the game to skip forwards. And that meant that um, in the game, there's a cash point. And in the cash point, you can deposit savings. And over time, if you put money, if you put bells, then you get currency into your savings account, then you accrue interest. So if you put bells in your account and you leave them, and then you time travel forwards a year in the game, you accrue all this interest. And so Nintendo didn't want people breaking the game in that way and the impacts that it has, um, I guess, sort of on the, the, the trading ecosystem across different players. And so one day there's an update that updates everybody's games and drastically reduces the interest rate. And so everybody wakes up and gets a little a little letter from this cutesy sort of raccoon or tanuki Tom Nook. And the letter is just about like, we have reduced the interest rates on your savings accounts. Um, please accept this free rug on our behalf. And it's like all the kids that are playing this game and all the people are like, this is a game for babies. I'm like, I just want to stop and imagine all the parents having to explain interest rates on savings accounts to their kids at this point in time. <laughs> But it's this wonderful mix of like this, um, yeah, sort of strange sort of dollhouse creativity with this sort of um, very self-aware and quite incredibly well-written, um, quite funny sort of, but very twee animal island mixed with some real mundane um, banking admin. <laughs> Thanks, Marie Fulston, for coming to the podcast and telling me all about her lockdown spreadsheet party. If you'd like to take a look at the document, it is locked now, so you can't make any changes, but you can click on the URL in the show notes and have a look through. And it's so worth it to see the attention to detail on the dance floor and the garden. 
and yes oh i really miss house parties now <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode why not rate it five stars on apple podcasts and tell a friend and share it on social and uh, attach a message to a pigeon saying that it should have a listen and just generally yell about it and uh yeah i'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening bye